Well, welcome back, everyone. If we've not met before, my name's JP. I'm one of the pastors here. And a really warm welcome to Church Online. It's great to be together. And today we're, we're in the midst of um, a month of events called We Need to Talk about race. This is a, a conversation that we're having as a family for the sake of our family that we're hoping is going to be uh, the kickstart of an ongoing conversation amongst us as we um, learn to love and understand uh, one another better. And the conversation is, is gathering momentum. We've, we've now had three of our home group gatherings uh, where we pull uh, about six home groups or so together. Uh, we do a, a, an act of worship here in the building. And as part of that act of worship, we've had a, a panel of three people answering questions that people text in on the subject of race. Uh, many of our home groups themselves and different ministries have been having their own conversations. Um, even some of the, the online resources, the, the Why We Need to Talk About Race video and the My Story video, they've been viewed over 2,000 times. Um, one of my favorite moments uh, so far in, in the month of events has been uh, one of our prayer meetings just a, a couple of weeks ago that uh, as we, we came together to pray that this, this conversation would be a, a time of healing for some and, and understanding for others. Just the, the way that the, that, that meeting was, was led so uh, vulnerably and with such wisdom, but then prayer after prayer after prayer from such a, a wide variety of people, the, the prayers uh, being so diverse in the, the, the people who prayed them, just such a precious demonstration of our, uh, our, uh, of our unity in our diversity together. Um, someone, uh, a friend of mine, a person of color said to me the other day, uh, this We Need to Talk About Race uh, series of events is that my favorite thing we've ever done at Grace. Church. And so we, we thank God um, uh, for such graces upon us. Um, but today is, is the last Sunday in, in this series that, that we're doing. And so um, I, I want to speak into, well, wh where do we go from here? Uh, what, what's next for us? And I want to do it using a, a passage from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, it's uh, an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And then the words will come up on the screen. So here's John chapter 4. I'm just going to start at verse 3. Here's what it says. So he, that's Jesus, left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour which is about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. 
And the conversation then uh, continues. Jesus gives a, a word of knowledge to, uh, to the woman. That is a, a supernatural re revelation of a, a circumstance in her life that uh, she's had five husbands, that the guy that she's with now is, is not her husband's. Uh, they go on to talk about the nature and place of uh, worshiping God. Um, and then the, the section ends with the, the revelation to the woman that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, uh, the savior of the world. And we pick, pick it up again in verse 27. It says, just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And jumping down to verse 39, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Now, just like my kids, when they say, see a great big puddle, I want to jump right in. And um, so we're going we're to get straight in there. Jesus and the Samaritan woman, they, they had a conversation. And the first thing is that it crossed the divide. It crossed the divide. Now, for the first century readers of this gospel, the, the interaction between a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman would have been truly shocking. For the simple reason, as, as verse 9 refers to, that the Jews absolutely loathed the Samaritans and vice versa. There was a lot of racial history there. Now, who loves history? Maybe some of you don't. Doesn't matter. It's in the Bible, so we're going to go to it anyway. So, 930 BC, the kingdom of Israel, the people of God, it gets split into two parts. The northern part still gets called Israel, rather confusingly, in my opinion. It has as its capital uh, Samaria, where we get the word Samaritan. The southern part was called Judah. And in 922 BC, this northern kingdom, disobeying God as they were, was invaded by the Assyrian super, superpower. And what they did was they exiled some of the key people from the land and flooded uh, the, the country with people from other countries uh, in an attempt really to try and dilute the Israelite influence. And it worked. The, the Israelites in, in this, this uh, northern kingdom, they, they intermarried, they uh, worshipped foreign gods, their, their culture changed. And this southern kingdom, Judah, they thought that these guys had just sold out to the Assyrians. And it got even worse, 400 BC, when, when the Samaritans, um, uh, which was by now what this, uh, this uh, area was known as, they built their own temple. Now, the temple that, that previously was stood at, at Jerusalem, or still did at this time, that was the, the pride and joy of these guys in the south, the kingdom of Judah. But when, this, this, when the Samaritans built their own temple, it was a bit like the kind of Samaria says no moment, to use a, 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 an infamous phrase of the, the, uh, the last couple of weeks. And, and so these guys in the south, they ended up destroying this temple in, in 128 BC, but the guys in the north just carried on worshiping there anyway. And the woman even refers to that in the conversation with Jesus, verse 20. The two of them, they hated each other 
hundreds of years of animosity. It's as bad as the the Northern Ireland conflict, if you're uh, old enough to remember that, or the the Syrian civil war more recently, or um, perhaps even the, the animosity that the imposition of slavery on some black African communities caused. That means that UK culture and the discussion of race carries with it the shameful actions of history. And so going from um, Judea, the area in the south, up to Galilee in the north, verse 4 says Jesus had to pass through Samaria, which was the, the area in between. Now, Jesus never had to do anything. The, the road from south to north was a, a three-day risky and dangerous journey for any Jew to travel. And so the, the option was available for Jews going from south to north and not wanting to go through Samaria to, to kind of cross over the Jordan River and circumnavigate the whole area. But Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, says, had to go this way. And in a similar vein with this conversation that we're having, we need to talk about race. This is a a risky and dangerous conversation. It too carries with it the events of history. It is incredibly painful for some of our church family. It is awkward for others. And yet the Holy Spirit has compelled us to have this conversation. We're not just doing this because it's the prudent thing to do or or just to be relevant. We're having this conversation because we believe God wants us to, because he's the God of justice whose gospel enables us to overcome these divisions, these barriers that exist in our society. I love what Hannah, one of our worship leaders said in the the My Story video, video, she said, we have a father in heaven who loves the poor and loves the oppressed. And we can look at the poor and say, we can do something about this. But actually, we can look at the oppressed and also say, we can do something about this. And so about noon, Jesus, tired and weary as he was, arrived in this Samaritan village and and asked for a drink from a Samaritan woman. And in the culture of the time, the fact that she was a a woman was as much of a shock to the readers as the fact that she was a a Samaritan. This ethnically Jewish Middle Eastern man, Jesus wasn't white, by the way, it's important to recognize that, he was a Middle Eastern man, he would have had brown skin. He chose in all of his Jewishness to cross the divide of ethnic, and in this case, gender prejudice and separation, and reach out in vulnerability to this Samaritan woman. And this same man, by his death and resurrection, causes us to be able to do exactly the same thing. You know, the the Christian discipleship journey really is just a journey of learning to live out the truth of the gospel. It's not become a better person. No, it's live as Jesus has made you to be. And this same gospel empowers us to fight injustice, to cross divides. It compels us to stand against prejudice. And so if you're struggling to move forward in this conversation that we're having, maybe because of pain, maybe because of confusion, maybe that you're just unsure of the next steps, whatever it is, Jesus Christ promises you 
the living waters of his Holy Spirit to empower you. And really, the rest of this message is, is, is just about us seeing what happens when we get filled with him. So let's move on to the, the second point, which is that this conversation, it brought about healing. Now, the, the culture of the time, as I mentioned earlier, it's shocking enough that Jesus talks to someone who's a Samaritan and a woman, who, whoever she was. But John shows us that clearly this woman is very, very broken. She's had a, a series of, of moral failures and she would have been ostracized from her community. She'd have been belittled. She'd have been excluded. We see it most in the fact that she comes to draw water at noon. Is the, the point is that no self-respecting person would ever go to draw water at noon when the heat was at its blistering highest. It would have been a crazy thing to do. And yet the point is that this woman is not self-respecting. She's too ashamed to go to draw water at dawn and dusk along with everyone else. And when Jesus meets her and, and asks about her husband, it it can seem a bit harsh at first, especially if he knew about these failed relationships. But the point is that Jesus is showing this woman that he knew all about her, that he saw her in her pain and that he was reaching out to her. Maybe this conversation on race is painful for you just now. Perhaps it's brought up past hurts maybe even cause new ones. Well, in all her pain, Jesus spoke to this woman. You've had these five husbands, this sixth guy in your life, he's not doing right by you. And John presents Jesus as the seventh man in her life. And that's significant because in John, seven means completeness. And the seventh event is the one that brings about this completeness. What he's saying here is that Jesus completes this woman. He heals her of this shame and this pain. And how does he do it? Let's read verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He reveals to her that he is the promised savior, her healer and the lifter of her head. This is the first revelation in this gospel account of Jesus as Messiah, as the saviour in the world. And just look who it happens to. A broken, hurting, uneducated, ashamed, Samaritan woman. Because there is not a single memory, a single circumstance, a single pain that Jesus Christ cannot reach. But look at what it does also in the story, because this woman who was living in shame, she now shows herself and her situation before the whole community. She says in verse, nine, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And it moves on in verse 39 to say that many believed because of her testimony. 
The same woman hiding in the dark is now brought into the light. The same person hurting now sees healing. The ostracized is now legitimized. The belittled is now believed. The excluded is now included. And all because Jesus revealed himself to her. It feels like God has been revealing himself to us a lot during this month of events. That as Trinity, he is unity in diversity, that Jesus hates injustice and loves his people, that our Christian identity defines us, it's who we are, and and yet there are these diverse characteristics we have that are a wonderful celebration of God's creativity. And my prayer, and the prayer I know of many in the church, has been that this month and the ongoing conversation that it kickstarts would be a time of healing for those who have experienced racism and for us as a church. I love what Marvelous said last week. He said, I, I thought I'd got thick skin to this stuff, these, these racial slurs that come. And he said, Jesus just knocked on the door of my heart and said, Marvelous, you need some healing. And so maybe this is healing for individuals and perhaps you can talk to your uh, home group leader or, or, or another leader. Maybe there's some prayer ministry that, um, that you would benefit from to come into greater freedom, to genuinely feel like you can be yourself in your church family. I love what uh, one of my friends of color said the, the other day. He said, racial slurs are, are evil and horrible, but when you know who you are in Christ, they just don't land in quite the same way. That is evidence of the healing grace of God on a person's heart. But maybe this is healing for us as a church too. That we might better reflect in every team the diverse church that God wants and the diverse city that we live in. That our integration together and our culture of family would have no barriers and and that in so doing we would become more like Jesus. It brought about healing. But it brought about understanding as well, thirdly, and for understanding for this woman, understanding for the Samaritan town, understanding even for the disciples. Like they'd been sent off on a lunch jolly in verse, in verse 8, and then verse 27, they come back, it says they, they marveled at, at what they saw. And lots of us, myself included, have needed and, and still need to grow in our understanding on the subject of racism and educating ourselves about the way that history informs the present, about the plight of people of color in our society, about how to have this conversation. Well, those are all really important things and it's why we've produced this resource booklet that we'll put a link in the chat uh, just as you're hearing this message that you can find that if you've not got it already. Those are so important things. But the biggest piece of understanding, in fact, the point of this passage is that Jesus is the Messiah and that he came to win and empower a beautiful and diverse bride for himself. Our diversity is God's creativity. And so we can celebrate it rather than simply navigate it. Because this is the church that Jesus gave his life for. This is the kingdom that he is building. But this conversation, it 
inspired ongoing action too. And in the lead up to this month of events, I had lots of conversations with people of color and continue to um, do so uh, during the month, just to try and get as much feedback on um, how we're running things, the sorts of things we're talking about as we possibly can. And it had a, a very warm reception, really helpful comments that have shaped the way that we've, we've done things. But the biggest piece of feedback, the biggest comment that has come is that as good as our discussions are, if they don't lead to an ongoing conversation, if they don't turn into action, then the whole thing just becomes a tokenistic waste of time as November starts and, and things just return to how they were. I must have used the phrase ongoing conversation hundreds of times in the last month or so. And yet, Grace Church, this is a danger for us unless each of us live out the gospel people that we are by keeping this conversation going and by turning it into action. Just look at the verbs that, that John uses to describe what the woman did in, in verse 28. It says, the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, she left, she went, she said. And we too will, will soon leave October. And, and for some, Life will carry on without racist incident. But for many amongst us, this never was just a conversation, but a lived experience. This woman, she, she went, she testified, she spoke to others. And many believed because of what she told. Many saw Jesus because of how she spoke. It led to the unthinkable step in verse 40 of this Samaritan village inviting a Jewish rabbi to stay with them. And it laid the groundwork for the whole book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, where Jesus says to the disciples, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter eight, the same disciples present in this episode we're looking at today carry this message of new life in Christ because he's raised from the dead into Samaria. This incident we're looking at today, it's the first revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. And people have been talking about it and acting upon it for 2,000 years ever since. I wonder how God is asking you to continue this conversation and not to let it slide back to a not talked about or not acted upon topic. You know, in the resource booklet, we've produced 10 action steps just as examples of what you can do. Number one, examine your heart. You know, I, I love what one of my friends of color said this week, said, changing our church will come from changing our hearts. We've got to examine our hearts. Number two, like call it out wherever you see it, call racism out, continue the conversation, extend an invite to someone racially or culturally different from you, keep on learning, read, watch, listen, engage with others. We can do things with not citizens, we can write to our MP, there's other things we can do. Expand your influences, diversify your social media and the films you watch, the music you listen to. Pass it on. If you've got kids, look at their books to see how diverse culturally and racially they are. Celebrate racial diversity amongst us. Above all, pray. There's more explanation in the booklet, but 
Maybe it could be some of those. But there's plenty of other things as well. You know, as I've asked many people of color around the church what they would like to see happen as a result of this month, so many times has come back the comment, I just want people to take one step outside their comfort zone to combat racism. Just one step. I know for me over the summer there was um, uh, something that appeared on um, social media from one of my friends uh, as the conversation on the legitimization that, that black people feel or don't feel in, in our society. And um, he was just saying like, um, guys, I just wanna tell you that this is how you pronounce my name. I've been calling him the, the wrong name, like the, the couple of years that I knew him. And I, I wanna give him the, the dignity of, of using his name correctly. And as I kind of um, tried to sort of work on that pronunciation pronunciation better. What I found in my phone was that um, I just got him in his first name GC for Grace Church. This guy's got a, a, a double-barreled um, Ghanaian surname. It's, um, it's longer than mine, for instance. And I just thought, you know what, that just won't do. Like that, that is prejudice. Like I can't just be so lazy as to not put people's names, like give them the dignity of using my name. I thought that won't do. And I just went through my phone book and, and, and all sorts of um, uh, other um, contacts in my phone book. I've just been lazy and like not dignifying people by using their name. They won't do. For Emma and I, my, my wife, we've been trying to look at um, the, the books that our children have to try and look at the, uh, the, the racial and cultural diversity there. We don't want to raise colorblind children. Um, and, um, and, it, and it's begun to change the way that we, we see things. Previously, we see things that, that we didn't. Emma was um, in a B&M store the other day. There was a whole aisle of, of children's dolls. They were all white. That won't do. That is not the kingdom of God. Like it just, so things like that it just contributes to this sense of otherness or white is normal, color is not, that, that so much of our society implies. You know, whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you, be before God and see what your one next step is. Because this conversation for all of the action, the healing, the understanding that it must lead to, its foundation is that God became man to rescue us from a life of self-centeredness, of prejudice, of ingrouping, of asserting superiority by taking it all on himself, on the cross, forgiving us of the things that we've done, cleansing us of the things that have been done to us. And instead, in his resurrection victory, he gives us a new heart, united as one diverse family with Jesus as our, as our head. And if we continue this conversation in our own strength, we will thirst again. But as we talk about race, as we celebrate our racial and cultural diversity, as we each take the action that God is calling us to do, as we love one another enough to go to God and say, what is my next step? We need only know, as the Samaritans concluded in verse 42, that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Amen.